Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. And a very pleasant Tuesday, 11 a.m. Central. Good morning to you. Yes, that's right. Matt Berteram is off. He's doing a report on the street. I have not actually been to Rockford, but... Word on the street here, Josh Hill in for Verderam today, our NFL guru himself, is that Verderam is doing an absolutely incredible job as a dad. He's out early. He's uh, The diaper changing has been strong. Verderam's doing a great job, and he'll be back next week. But uh, this is a perfect time to have you in here, Hill, and Ben Heisler will be with us at 1130. Uh, thank you for t- taking time, Josh Hill, and good to see everybody. Jay Ward jumping in with the first chat today. Yes, that's right. Tom Brady uh, is a Dolphin. Not quite yet, but Josh Hill is the biggest Bucks fan I know. And Tom yeah. Brady's turned into a crazy person. He's officially uh, he's, he's uh, what's going on over there, my friend. Uh, I mean, shout out to Mike Florio and, and, and Pro Football Talk and everything that's been reported. And he was trying to retire to get to the Dolphins to be an owner and then put himself back on the field. But that didn't work because everything fell apart in Miami with Brian Flores. And now he just decided, well, fine, I'll play in Tampa, but get rid of Bruce Arians. Uh, I don't know how much of this you believe or don't believe, Hill, but you're on the ground here, buddy. So tell me what's going on with Tom and happy Tuesday to everyone. He didn't turn into a crazy person. He's always been a crazy person. He's always been Tom Brady. He's been a little bit off the rocker, but that's what's made him so good. But as far as like this whole like rumor stuff, like I'm a little bit too close to it because I'm a Bucks fan, so I don't want to believe that he doesn't want to play in Tampa. But there's just there's too much going on here that to suggest that he was he he would come back to Tampa just to angle to go to Miami. If that was going to happen, it already would have happened. He's not going to come back to Tampa to, you know, just twist in the wind and try to get somewhere else and to try and go play in Miami. No matter what the plan may or may not have been, sure, maybe he did want to go play in Miami. Maybe it did fall apart. But he's not coming back to Tampa. He's not making recruiting calls in free agency if he's not going to be there for another season. That might not, you know, maybe he did want to go. Maybe he didn't want to come back to Tampa. But this is the way the chips fell. And look, he didn't have to come back at all. He could have stayed retired. But he did come back. He did come back to the Bucks, and that's the reality that we live in until something changes, which I don't think it's going to. I, I, I get it. You're, you're living in the present moment that Tom Brady is your quarterback, and that's not going to change. And I'm not saying it. Clearly, that is not going to change this year. Brady, Bucks, 
make a run, hopefully yeah. for you to the Super Bowl one more time. I, I'm down with all that happening outside of uh, the Bears. Check out the Windy City Bears podcast Mondays at five. Outside of the Bears uh, having the miracle of all miracles, it's fine. I, I like the drama. Give me Brady. Give me Rodgers again. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, not going to voluntary OTAs. Uh, whatever that doesn't matter. But let's, let's just recap this hill. He retires on February the first. Apparently, at least if you if you believe in, in in the pro football talk reporting here, that he was going to try to become a minority owner of the Dolphins and then bring himself back on the field and kind of work that out over time with Tampa. Apparently, he's very close with Bruce Beal. If you don't know who Bruce Beal is, he's the right-hand man to Stephen Ross, Dolphins owner. Stephen Ross having his own issues down there. But Brady apparently was working this behind the scenes. Sean Payton was involved, was going to be the coach. That didn't happen after the whole Brian Flores thing, which, by the way, conspiracy theories out there. Bill Belichick gets wind of this. Let me leak this text to Flores out there so that thing will unravel and then I don't have to deal with Brady in my division. That's a crazy thought. But who the hell knows what's going on out there? Um, I just never think that people are this calculated. I always think, like, do you want to play or do you not want to play? But it's But the... The whole retire and unretire thing in a you know less than two month span, that's not normal behavior. That's bizarre behavior. It's not normal behavior. But again, we'll circle back to Tom Brady is not normal. This is look, it, we said it at the time, even before all of the Dolphins rumors and all of this garbage started to come up. Look at Brett Favre. Brett Favre was a will he won't he situation for basically the last three years of his career, and then he retires from the. Packers without actually retiring, and then he unretires. And then what is he doing? And then he gets traded to the Jets. This happens with a lot of players where they just they don't want to go when you're at the level that Tom Brady's at. So I think there's two things happening. One happened. One thing happened, which was he didn't want to retire. He retired. He hung it up, or whatever. He never actually retired. If you look at the Instagram message, he said he's stepping away from football. So even (laughs) that is very calculated and, and mischievous of him. But then you look at the other things that happens, which is he comes back and then Todd Bowles becomes the head coach because Bruce Arians steps away. And what we don't want to do is muddy the waters here of how great of a move that is by Bruce Arians. And look, maybe there was drama behind the scenes. Maybe there wasn't. Everything that I've read about it and everything that I've looked at with the Tom Brady, Bruce Arians situation seems to suggest that they are two very different personalities who clashed as you do with people who do not think the same way that you do in a workplace, but it was nothing where it was Brady doesn't want to come back. Brady doesn't want to, you know, play for Bruce Arians, so on and so forth. What Bruce Arians did was this was always going to be a team that he handed over to one of his guys, Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich. He's handing that over now, basically giving up winning another Super Bowl as a head coach so that he can give his guy, Todd Bowles, the best possible chance to succeed. And you're talking about the Brian Flores stuff. You look at it in the context of minority head coaches, historically in the NFL, have not been given a fair chance. They've not been given a fair shake. And here's Bruce Arians saying, look, this is a Super Bowl caliber team with Tom freaking Brady as the quarterback. Todd Bowles, you take it. You do not get put in a better position than that. And that's the main takeaway from that whole situation for me. It's not, oh, Brady didn't want to play for Arians. Get out of here. They were saying that – Two week, one week into when Brady came, they lose to the Saints, his very first regular season game as a Bucs quarterback. 
and Arians throws him under the bus. And then it's, oh, look, Arians doesn't like Brady. Brady's not going to want to play for him. Brady's going to get upset. That's been happening since literally day one. It's nothing new. And I don't think that that's what happened here. And let's not overshadow the bigger picture, which is Arians handing this a Super Bowl caliber team to Todd Bowles. That is incredible. That's the story. That's the takeaway. Oh, okay. So that's the utopian Josh Hill. Let's help out the uh, let's help out the African American coach, which is a beautiful concept. I love it. Let's give you a great chance. Let's not give you the one in fifteen football team. Uh, but to everybody in the chat here, Gonzo, my guy, Jay Ward, Bill Be- Bill Belichick's a genius, and Gonzo, uh, to answer your question, which was just popped up there, what's likely to happen in the first five years? Brady gets another ring, or Fields leads the Bears to one. I'll go with Brady uh, all, all day long. I mean, come on, let's. Uh, I, I like to deal in in at least what would appear to be reality, and and the Bears have a long way to go. By the way, uh, great video uh, that I put out on Twitter and on my Facebook page about trying to keep the Bears at Soldier exactly. Field. Yeah, TikTok yeah. Too. Now, and my TikTok, right? The, right. The, uh, the 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 Carm TikTok is 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 moving around here. I just want to ask what Hill's saying there. Does any of that make sense? That 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 Sarians, that Brady would come back. You got a chance to walk out a Super Bowl champion, but you'd say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I want to hand it over to Todd Bowles to do what's right in the world versus coach the GOAT and one more shot at it. Uh, That's not the normal procedure for NFL head coaches. This seems like a divorce, Hill. it, it, It just does, and that's fine. We've had a lot of coaches and quarterbacks having divorces over time, and it doesn't make, you know, whatever, uh, Brady a bad guy uh, or or a good guy or anything. It just, it just, uh, it it is, I I hate that phrase, but it is what it is, I guess. He doesn't want to play for Arians. If I'm an organization, I side with the Hall of Fame quarterback over the coach, even if the Hall of Fame quarterback is only going to play one more year of football. And also, Todd Bowles. I believe in Todd Bowles. I think you believe in Todd Bowles, but it it does seem like it just uh, that's not normal, man. You got a you got a chance to to win a world to win a Super Bowl. Nah, I don't want to do that. Uh, I'm sorry, I want to leave still, after. He's still within the organization, so that right there says if there was a divorce, he divorced Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He left. He went as far south as he could to get away from Boston and get away from Foxborough <laughs> and to get away from the Patriots. That's a divorce. This is a transition, and this is a transition that has deeper meaning than just Brady didn't like Arians. Because you also look at Arians' side of things. Arians not a spring chicken. Okay, he is not a guy who is you know youthful, who has a lot of you know years ahead of him. He's talked about that. He has talked about his health. He has talked about how the game of football, coaching it for as long as he has, and for playing in it, and being involved with the game for as long as he has, it's had negative effects on his health. And that was a sticking point with him and his family when he was coming back out of retirement to coach the Bucks when Jameis Winston was the quarterback before Tom Brady even got involved. That was a sticking point for the Arians was, is he healthy enough? Is this worth putting his health on line? When COVID happened, the Bucks were one of the main teams in the NFL being very, very diligent and very, very serious about COVID protocol, about wearing masks in the facility, about abiding by the NFL rules. And that was because Arians was setting that tone because of his health. So this is a situation where it's, look, does he want to do this for another year? Or can he take an elevated position in the front office, hand the keys over to somebody like Todd Bowles, who's you know, in a good position, who can now position himself not only to remain a Bucks coach because he has a five-year contract, 
but to do something special with the Bucks and then erase the bad taste of what happened with the Jets out of everybody's mouth. And all of a sudden we're thinking about Todd Bowles differently. That's the flip side of this is it's not all just Brady. It's not all just drama. There's a lot of working parts within here. And here's the other thing. If Brady truly did not want to come back and play for Bruce Arians, we're looking at the wrong guy. Bruce Arians was not calling all of the plays on offense. He handed those keys to Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich is still the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. He is still going to be working every single day with Tom Brady. He works closest with Tom Brady in the Bucs organization. That is who, if Brady didn't want to work with somebody, he would be gone. That is the offense. It's Byron Leftwich's offense. He is still there. That right there tells me that this is just, you know, it, it's drama. That, that's all it is. All I know is if I'm the Tampa Bay Bucks organization, I'm making a call to Josh Hill right now saying, do you want to come and work for us? Because you are on team Bucks. <laughs> I, and we got to roll. Yeah, I mean, we got to roll yeah. for you down here, buddy. You you do content creation for fan side and you're, you're, you're immersed in the NFL. I got a spot for you with this, with how much water you're carrying. But I think, it's, hey, it's a beautiful thing. You're, you're, I, I got you. Uh, look, you're right. He still is the OC, and if there was a real issue, maybe you know Brady would have taken his ball and gone home. Instead, he's come back. Let me just read one more uh, thing that that Florio wrote, and Mike Florio's not perfect, but it's an awful lot right over there. Uh, let, let's let's give credit where credit is due. He wrote, "It wasn't a retirement from football, but an attempted retirement from the Buccaneers when the Miami possibility imploded, and when nothing materialized in San Francisco." His only option was to play for the Bucs in 2022. That's not his only option. His <laughs> other option was to not come back at all. Like, right, sure but he, he would have had some egg on his face, but he's not making he, – okay, Tom Brady is not posting that Instagram message. He is not making a big hullabaloo about this if he is not serious about coming back and he knows exactly what is going to happen, because here's what happens. If all of these if all of this, you know, 49ers rumors, all of these dolphins rumors were actually going to happen. Tom Brady announces that he's coming back immediately after that. It's announced that he's being traded to San Francisco. He's being traded to Miami. And then those two franchises can enter free agency with Tom Brady as their lead recruiter asking free agents to come play for him, asking free agents to come win a Super Bowl with them. The Tyreek Hill trade to Miami, that would have been nice if Brady had been there, but that is not a move you make if you're trying to pitch Tom Brady's going to come here eventually. That is a move you make after Tom Brady comes. All of these things, free agency really dictated this because all of these moves in Tampa, Tom Brady is on the phone. He's talking with Ryan Jensen. He's talking with these free agents and saying, this is it. This is the last dance. This is the last rodeo. We're going to wild bunch this thing. We're riding into town and we're either going to win a Super Bowl or it's going down in flames. But we're going to do this together. He's making those calls for the Bucks. That's all that you need to know. And nothing I, has happened since. Time's I, running out here. I, I like that you referenced the last dance because for some reason, people out there that like to compare uh, Jordan to Brady. And, and, and just let's just be clear here. Jordan did retirement better. 17 months off playing baseball is better than a two-month uh, whatever the hell just happened. Actually, I just changed my mind. I'm coming back with rumors abounding that I wanted to go elsewhere. And you could even throw in the second retirement, three years off, coming back with the terrible Wizards and taking a team from 19 wins to nearly making the playoffs before Jordan's knee gave out. Jordan, better at retiring than Brady. 
Hashtag goat. All right, let's 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 move on to just a couple other. We got a lot of quarterback talk coming up here, and uh, oh, yeah. Ben Heisler's joining us in 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 thirteen big minutes. So I want to actually start with Russell Wilson, who is all of a sudden, I guess, the mayor of Denver. He's sitting in the front row at Nuggets games. He's throwing footballs into the crowd. He's showing up on opening day for the Rockies. He's walking out to the mound, just going, you know, waving the hat or whatever he had in his hand, going nuts. Then he fires like a 80 mile an hour fastball to Chris Bryant. Hashtag uh, KB. Way to land. I mean, he is like, like it's almost like Seattle didn't even exist. And I'm kind of looking at this. I'm like, are Broncos fans going to be in love with this guy uh, come November 1st, say? Uh, but he, uh, hey, man, like, Russell Wilson is embracing this Denver experience. In, in your Josh Hill expert opinion, do you think this is going to be a short honeymoon, or do you think this is a this is a changing of the Broncos franchise? That oh my God, they're actually a legit competitor to uh, I don't know, get to the top of the AFC West at bare minimum, which is a lot. I think it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a long honeymoon. This, I mean, Russell Wilson's your quarterback. Look at what the Broncos had last year. Look at what the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning left. It's been nothing. And it's been depressing if you're a Broncos fan to go into every single day knowing that there's a pretty good chance you're going to lose that game. Trust me, I mean, you know, as a Bucks fan for the last 20 years, that's the feeling going into a Sunday where you're like, this, I mean, football's on. I'm happy football's on, but my team isn't going to win. And that kind of takes the wind out of the sails. Now you have Russell Wilson who every single year is an MVP candidate, who creates plays out of nothing, who is a guy who you build an offense around or you put him in a position where he's got a little bit more control than what he had in Seattle. Now, you know, the let Russ cook thing, that's real. You know, Denver is going to build that offense around Russell Wilson and they're going to build it around his skills and what he was able to do in Seattle on all of the highlight clips and all the times that our jaws dropped and we're like, I cannot believe Russell Wilson made that play, except they're going to do something that Seattle probably should have done and didn't, which is utilize that as a central piece for the entire team. It is Russell Wilson's team. And that's why, you know, he's leaning into this whole, I'm Mr. Denver. Yeah, sure. Show up at the Nuggets game. Show up at the Rockies game. Because you know what else it's doing? It's giving a nice big old middle finger back to the Pacific Northwest to go, look who where I am now. Look who loves that. Me. So, okay. And that's go. what I thought. That's what I think it is. Hey, hey, uh, Pete Carroll. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, twelve, hey, twelves. This is not about you, but uh, yeah, that's right. I'm a little bit hurt. Uh, I uh, and, and I'm trying to move forward and 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 do everything I can to embrace a new community. But this does sort of feel like I don't know, like showing your ex that you moved on with the next cool thing, something along those it lines. Is. I mean, he's it very is. out but there. Th- it's also very much within Russell Wilson's personality. He is one of the corniest guys ever, which was why we love him because he's always smiles. Remember that clip of him where he was injured and he's running through a fake game before the real game because he's like doing the whole schoolyard thing. And he's like, every, he's really leaning into every little boy dreams about being an NFL quarterback. Even when you're an NFL quarterback, you're still that little boy. He does this kind of thing. This is just Russell Wilson's game. And he's really good at it. And there is a weird authenticity to it because I don't think he's showing up to the Nuggets game or he's showing up to the Rockies game or he's trying to engage with his community in a disingenuous way. 
he really does want to lay down roots with this team. He's like, look, I am here. I'm your guy. We're going to go through this season and how many other seasons ahead of us together. And that's, the, I want to be a part of the community. You know, he was like that in Seattle. He was the Seattle guy. Now he's just porting that over to Denver. And the, while it seems a little kind of dorky, there is an authenticity to it that you're like, that's just Russ. And this is part of Russ cooking. You know, he's just preparing the appetizer right now before we get the entree during the season. 15 days to the NFL draft, by the way, just a reminder that we're, we're creeping towards. We'll have a ton of draft uh, coverage on, on the show next week, but leaning into a little bit of the quarterback stuff today. Who's at, who has more wins this year? Russ in Denver or Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, however much he's able to be on the field? I mean, I'm Russ, both because I want Russ to have more wins and also because it seems a little bit more feasible. One, with the way that the team's constructed, but also the difference in quarterbacks. I think Russ is the better quarterback. He's got more experience. And then also you have the legal stuff. Who knows how much Deshaun Watson is going to play this year? That's not a, if I'm, you know, I am a betting man, but if that's an actual bet that you're putting down, I am hammering the Russell Wilson win total over Deshaun Watson. You really think he's a better quarterback than Deshaun? At the end, let's I do. say, yeah. I mean, I mean how that, many times has Deshaun Watson been in that MVP just, conversation the way that Russell Wilson has? That, that it's listen, it's fair, but I look. Uh, and he's got a lot going on around him, and I don't know if, if life is ever going to return to normal for Deshaun Watson or if it should return to normal and all that. But but the off-field stuff aside, and Cleveland's not exactly the ideal organization. However, getting out of Houston is an ideal move, and yeah. that that dude's talent is, I mean, you know, we're I talking mean, he's about... he's talented. Yeah, he's talented, but how many times... You're going back to all those games that, that Russ had in Seattle where Seahawks had absolutely no business winning the game that they won, whether it's because they were playing a better team or because they had stupidly put themselves in a position through bad coaching or whatever to be behind to a team like the Bears or something like that in Seattle or to the Vikings, a team that is not as good as them on paper, but they're now behind. And Russ pulls them out of that hole. He has done that time and time again with little to no offensive support. Like, it wasn't until he got DK Metcalf and they really started to build it out with Tyler Lockett and they got all these things going. He's never had the type of offense that some of the other quarterbacks, his counterparts have had around the NFL. Imagine Russell Wilson in the Patrick Mahomes offense with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, all those guys when they were still in Kansas City. Imagine Pat, or, uh, Russell Wilson with those weapons on offense. He didn't have any of that in Seattle. And now you look at how many of those games he was able to bring them back single-handedly because he is the quarterback, and they either win or they come close to winning or they force overtime. Deshaun Watson didn't do that in Houston. And I would argue that he had a little bit more offensive firepower than Russell Wilson had in Seattle because you've got, you know, Will Fuller. You had, you know, DeAndre Hopkins for a while there. Like, you had guys who, if Russell Wilson had, you're looking at a completely different offense and you're looking at probably completely different Seattle teams and outcomes to their seasons. But you didn't see that with Deshaun Watson. I get like you can have the team pulled you down because I'm making that argument for Seattle. Seattle pulled Russell Wilson down. So to be fair, Houston wasn't the greatest situation for Deshaun Watson, but he didn't make as much out of nothing as Russell Wilson did. I mean, maybe it's just the 65-yard bomb right on the money to DeAndre Hopkins that I'm thinking about right now that just t- 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 like tilts me to it, – it, it, 
again, gets if we get through all of this, I, I mm-hmm. and plus if you look at the divisions, I, I would almost even with him missing yeah. games, I might I I might bet on the Browns to have more wins than the Broncos this coming year. But I, I and sure. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to slander Russ at all, but and he's a winning player and has uh, uh you know all of that. But there's something about his game that's uh, for whatever reason it's just it's it's always sort of felt like a miracle to me that he's doing it. Like I don't it it's he's he's just like I I can't ex- he he's so he understands the game incredibly well. He knows what he needs to do. He's mastered his skill set and everything that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh and 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 that should all be appreciated. You can only do what uh you you can with the body that you're given and all that type of stuff. And he this dude has gotten every ounce of talent out of himself and all of that. And I even loved this his pitch to KB. Still got the baseball talent. I mean, it, it was there was no lob there if you didn't see it. I mean, he fired that thing. Um, yeah. but I'm I guess I'm just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, right. I guess I'm just in love with the talent of Watson, and maybe some some bear stuff is going on here. And there's a little bit of Mitchell Trubisky that's creeping into my Deshaun Watson and 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 his ridiculous performance on the college level too. So I okay, we can move on. Uh, I'll give you another. Let me give you another quarterback battle, Hill. Because yeah. you know, so so many moving parts here. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Mitchell Trubisky versus Carson Wentz. Mitchell <laughs> Trubisky landing yeah. beautifully in Pittsburgh. Uh, R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins. We'll have a moment uh, talking to Dwayne coming up here. Uh, but Trubisky battling for a starting spot, and then. And here we go with with Carson Wentz finally, uh, well not finally, but getting out of Indy. Let's command it up. Who do you got, Trubisky versus Wentz in a thriller? Trubisky, I'm Team Did Trubisky. Really? Let's go, Mitch. Let's go, Mitch. <laughs> Come on, I'm all about a good redemption story. And also, I mean, if we're if we're comparing one to one as far as situations, and I know Trubisky hasn't been in the league as long as Carson Wentz has, but it's been close. It's not like they've got a huge gap where it's like five, six years. It's Carson Wentz has gone from Philadelphia, then to uh, Indianapolis, and now he's in Washington. And there's that old saying where it's like, if you always have a problem with everybody else around you, maybe you're the problem. And it didn't work in Philadelphia. It didn't work in Indianapolis, where he was supposed to be the guy where it's like, look, Frank Reich's got him. He's going to unlock all this talent. You know, he was, you know, whatever happened with him and Doug Peterson in Philadelphia, Frank Reich is going to fix it because Frank Reich was the quarterback. You know, he was with the Eagles when Carson Wentz had his MVP season. So that's the missing piece. And what happened? A mediocre to poor season in which he absolutely folds like a cheap poker table against the Jacksonville Jaguars in a must-win game to get into the playoffs. That right there. Like, what else do you need? Like, I don't want to – and that's not to be unfair to the Jaguars, but they're not a good team. They got the number one overall pick. So we're not, you know – we're not being too unfair here, but if you are Carson Wentz and you truly are having this redemption arc, the Jaguars are not a roadblock for you in week seven to week 18 of the season. That's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. You guys are in the playoffs. That's not what happened. And now he's on to Washington. The franchise has historically never been able to figure out its quarterback problem. What, now he's the answer. Like what pieces are in place to help him? Where Mitchell Trubisky, at least there's the recency bias of, I know you're, you're, you're close to this, too, because of Chicago. But, I mean, nationally, too, the feeling is Matt Nagy didn't give him the best shake. So maybe this was more Nagy than it was right. Trubisky. 
he goes off to Buffalo. He's able to be an understudy for uh, Josh Allen and Brian Dable for that, that one season. Now he's in Pittsburgh. And I would argue that Buffalo and Pittsburgh are two vastly superior locker room culture experiences than whatever Matt Nagy was doing in Chicago. Because now he fits in with Mike Tomlin and all of the Steelers' prestige. And he truly is in a position where I think he can beat Mason Rudolph in a quarterback's competition. I don't think that's particularly close. Now he's the guy in Pittsburgh. He really just has to have one good, not even good, like an above average season. And he's able to erase the Bears stuff. Because what's Nagy going to do? He's going to be like, look, get me free from Nagy. And I'm the guy. I've got the skills. I've got the chops to do this. Where Wentz failed in Philadelphia, went to Indianapolis with his old guy from Philadelphia, failed again. Now he's in Washington. I don't care about Carson Wentz. I'm all on a Mitchell Trubisky. Let's go. Give me the redemption story. The MVP, by the way, the Nickelodeon Most Valuable Player. Yeah, that's true. He's on the comeback trail. Let's do this. Good call. Uh, by the way, Ben Heisler uh, joining us now from uh, from Betside, a managing editor. I knew Ben has to be super thrilled that we're talking about Trubisky versus Wentz, one of the great <laughs> NFL topics you could ever come up with uh, on on 15 days before the NFL draft. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. The average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know. Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know. A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. There's a, there's a, Mitch, there's a Mitch movement going on in the show. All in on Trubisky over Wentz in, in year 22. Even if you were starting a team, you're going Mitch over, over Carson Wentz. I don't actually, I, I really, I think if you put that out into the NFL sphere, one year right now, you, you, your life depends on it. You got to get wins. Rosters are equal, Trubisky or Wentz. I think more people would take Wentz. I, I'll, 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 I'll let Ben get on this. I've, 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 I've caped for uh, Mitchell Trubisky longer than I ever thought I would have to. So What a, what a fun debate to dive into <laughs> in the middle of April, getting, getting the, the NFL draft and season juices flowing. That's, that's a fascinating question because the year removed has done wonders for Trubisky, right? Like he didn't sign this massive deal, but you go to Pittsburgh, all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, there's a possibility of a, of him being a good culture fit with that organization. An organization, by the way, that under Mike Tomlin, I don't believe has ever had a losing season, which is fairly remarkable. If you're asking me like which quarterback is most likely to put the team on his shoulders and go out and make a play to get a win, you have to go with Wentz because he's done it more recently and more consistently than Mitch ever did in Chicago. At the same time, if you're asking me like, which is the quarterback that I think is best set up for success. It's Trubisky, right? Like there's weapons around him. It's a team that even though they had a terrible offensive line, they worked with big Ben to get the ball out super quick. I mean, there was only so much that he could do last year. He couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field. And they still were competitive throughout the entirety of the season, ended up making the final playoff spot. So I I think based off of that, if you're allowing me to work within those parameters of the question, then 
you you got to go with with Wentz as the guy that can win you a game, but the guy that's set up to be best suited where he is is Trubisky. I'm just saying life depends on it. You got it. You're building a team. You have one of these two quarterbacks right now for the season, Wentz or Trubisky. Who are you taking? If it's for the season, if it's not just one game, then I'll take Mitch. Not yeah. regardless of Pittsburgh and Washington, really? Yes. Okay, Ben. All right, I like it. I, all right, you that's the that, movement, baby. That, Let's that's, go. That's a foot on the ground right there. It's just, okay. All right. Well, let, hey, listen. I, I'm rooting for for good old Mitch. It would be it would be amazing if if he takes off in Pittsburgh. There would be a lot of people in Chicago screaming at me and a bunch of other people that I told you so that it was the Bears' fault. But I, that that narrative would be hard. Yeah, the, the Colts gave up on Wentz while they were still ready to contend for playoffs i i I, they telegraphed it that they had to get rid of him and they still got something back for him like i i don't know how you can just go ahead and say like i can trust this guy for a season when they didn't have anybody else to rely on i I, i'm not saying you can i'm just uh, yes i'm just i'm just saying that uh the upside of talent of Wentz as a quarterback, even at this stage of his career, in my mind, is higher than what Mitch is ever going to reach. But we can let's move on uh, and try to make some money. By the way, my Ben and I talked uh, some masters here uh, last week. So I don't know how that happened, other than uh, Ben was talking about his golf game, and then I was proceeding to, you know, just explain that I don't understand how anybody watches golf uh, on television and enjoys themselves. But and it was and and I was there on Sunday for the record. I watched the end of the Masters. That was. Uh, I, I was hoping for a 10. It's a hell of a time to get in when yeah. Scheffler had an eight trophy. Yeah, I was like, that's, this, that's is, this is what I do. I get in at Sundays at five. I watch it till 60 minutes. That's my golf watching for the year. And unfortunately, this year <laughs> it, it was over. Um, but I said that Tiger would miss the cut. And so I was wrong. Uh, he imploded on day three and four. But uh, good job making the cut, Tiger. Congratulations. But, Ben, what are we gambling on here at NFL today? What are we making – What are, anything leading up to the draft? Anything that you're excited about over at WinBet? Um, what, what, what excites you in, in the gambling space today? If anything, we can just talk football too. There's not a ton that's really – I mean, they have a game out. You guys want to know what, what WinBet has out? They have the Hall of Fame game on August 4th. Between the Raiders and the Jaguars. Right now, the Raiders, one point favorites uh, with a total of 33 and a half. Uh, if you go out, if you need to get that that fix in right now, I, NFL drafts uh, rumors are particularly interesting. There's there's some conversation that that the Carolina Panthers could reach for Matt Corral as high as number six. Uh, and if you go to win bet and try and determine which is going to be the first NFL quarterback selected, Malik Willis very much at the top of the pack at minus 400. Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh behind him at plus 180. Matt Coral at, uh, or Matt, is it Coral or Matt Corral? I've, I've heard both. Not entirely sure. Uh, someone will correct me, I'm sure, on the stream and, and let me know that I'm probably wrong on both. But um, if you're going with, with Matt Corral at 10 to 1, especially with some, some rumored interest from, from Matt Rule, because this is it for him. Like, you got to get your guy here. They're going to reach on a quarterback. The question is who? Maybe you roll the dice with somebody like Coral that uh, – I changed his name again – that can uh, do a little bit of everything, uh, certainly very versatile, a little bit more movement uh, in the pocket uh, for, for a guy that can go ahead and escape. Like that, That's a little bit intriguing if you're buying the smoke on him at 10-1. to 1. 
How many quarterbacks do we think are going in the first round? Hill, you probably uh, deep dive into this one. Verderan went with three. We talked about this the other week. I, I said five. Uh, there, I mean, look, Ooh. a lot of people need quarterbacks, and people and and teams always reach. Um, I don't know. Does Desmond Ritter get a first round look? I love Desmond Ritter. Huge fan. I don't know. If, and any sh- should he be a first round quarterback? Not necessarily, but uh, look, always a crapshoot, man. It just it yeah. you 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 never know really uh, who's going to pan out and who won't. That's just that's the history of the position. You know, but you know that teams are going to go for quarterbacks in the first round, even when there's a year like this where it doesn't seem to be like a runaway favorite, where it's like you cannot pass on this guy. You're going to have at least I, I agree with Verdon. I think three to four quarterbacks are going to go in the first round, and I don't don't think it's because they are believed to be first round slam dunk talents who are going to bring Super Bowls to their team. I think it's because you want to get in on that rookie contract. That's why you're going to take a quarterback in the first round. That's why you might end up reaching, or if you're a team that needs a quarterback and Desmond Ritter is still there at the end of the first round, you're going to trade back in like the Ravens did for Lamar Jackson a handful of years ago. You're going to go back in and get your guy, not because he deserves to be a first round pick. You want that contract. So, you know, the Panthers reaching for a quarterback, that makes sense. I think the Steelers, if they really need a quarterback, they might take one, but it all depends on how that board kind of fills out. I think this is more about contract than it is about actual need. Um, and then there's always quarterbacks that go in the first round. It's the sexiest position in football. Of course, you're going to have quarterbacks going. What was the one year where it was, is it EJ, EJ Manuel was the only quarterback taken in the first round and he won the first round graded quarterback. So even in a year where you didn't have a slam dunk quarterback, that's going to go in the first round, we still had a guy go in the first round. So that's, you know, three to three to four seems like a pretty safe number. It's just where and who they go to. That's the most interesting part because there could be some surprises. Like I said, if you get to the end of the first round, there's still somebody intriguing on the board. Maybe somebody goes up and gets them. I mean, look, and, and people talking about Pittsburgh in the chat, like, I mean, if you're the Steelers, you're drafting a quarterback. Are you not? I mean, how – if you're if you're the Houston Texans, you're drafting a quarterback, are you not? I, right? I mean, who? The teams that need QBs, you you have to swing, right? Uh, I'm not saying like the Jets should, should swing, although you could certainly make an argument. Um, well, you can make an argument. Yeah. Well, and and right. Okay. Tennessee, are you swinging? Probably not, but maybe. You know, I. It, it's there's a long there's a long Detroit I mean how I don't know how you do it if you're gonna but like if you're the Lions what are you doing at that position I mean I, I don't know how you don't am I even where you're at like okay fine trade back into it I don't know you can't you you know you're not set for life here and and do you just wait and kick it kick the can down the road trade for Baker well, well, I mean, there are a number of options out there outside of the draft, like with Baker and what you want to do as far as, like, that's concerned. I don't think the Lions are the kind of plug-and-play that can go and get a Baker Mayfield and all of a sudden he's their missing piece. If anything we've seen in Cleveland, he's the piece that you maybe want to subtract if you want to take a step forward. But I, I, I'm hesitant to say that there's going to be this massive run on quarterbacks and teams that are maybe on the fence about quarterbacks because when the, the New Orleans Saints traded up or whatever they did to get those two picks in the first round from the Eagles, the immediate thought was, all right, the Saints are going to get their quarterback. They're going to go get Willis. They're going to go get, you know, Pickett. They're going to get their guy. 
And there was immediately a consenting argument of, from, you know, Matt Miller, like draft experts out there saying they like this offensive tackle. They want to jump the chargers to get them. They can stay at 19 or 18, wherever they're at, and they can get a top wide receiver. They're not going to go and get a quarterback. They're not going to package these and move up. So you look at some of these teams that might be on the fence or even like Pittsburgh, who has consistently been mocked to take, you know, Kenny Pickett, whoever, you don't know what's going to fall to them at that point in the draft. And they don't desperately need a quarterback the same way that some other teams do. So if you have a top defensive talent or you have a top offensive line, you know, Ben just mentioned, you know, how Ben Roethlisberger last year was playing basically in front of the three or behind the three of us on his offensive line, you know, you're going to go out and get a guy, especially if you're looking further down the road at next year's quarterback class, or maybe a year who's coming out of college next year, set up that offensive line. Now go get somebody who might be a little bit more worth it than reaching in this year's draft. So that's another kind of thing that to pay attention to here, because not everybody's as desperate as a court for a quarterback as maybe some of the mock drafts would suggest. I mean, go ahead, Ben. It's an interesting sort of theory to try to figure out, especially this year, which is considered a down quarterback class. Like I, I don't mind a stab at a quarterback as a late round draft pick. I, I remember in Chicago, that was something that they had talked about doing frequently. Like why not take a chance on a quarterback? If they end up playing, then you have a tradable asset or you have somebody that you could eventually move forward with. Like Josh mentioned, uh, cap friendly quarterback on a rookie contract where you can build around them and be really successful. I, I just don't think there's a need for a lot of these teams that we just talked about to reach at the position. Like, I think, I think about the desperate teams. Like we talked about Carolina. That's a, that's a desperate team. Do you sell your fan base on the fact that we're not going to be good. We're going to go ahead and take a quarterback, give him time to develop. And maybe that buys you a couple of years to just focus on improvement as opposed to trying to win the division in a division that now has Tom Brady in it. Uh, once again, after, after that was, you know, supposedly done. I, I just don't think there's a set of teams right now that, feels the need to have to really move up to the first round to take their guy. Um, and New Orleans is interesting because somebody like Malik Willis or Pickett could make sense if you believe that after a couple of years of Winston, that's going to be the guy that's ready. There's still a timeline to develop, but there's not anybody that you say, this is a style. Like all five of the first round quarterbacks last year consensusly would have been the number one pick in this year's draft at the quarterback spot. I don't think anybody's arguing that. If you're looking at mock drafts, NFL.com's got Sam Howell going to the Saints at 17. So that's a, that's that's another uh, name, by the way, a QB that we did not mention in the first four that we mentioned. So that's your number five, by the way. Uh, all right, Ben, as you get on out of here, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you one more quarterback discussion today. Drew Locke versus Marcus Mariota. Drew Locke landing beautifully, ready to to rise up the Seahawks and become a part of uh <laughs> I, I I don't know how this is gonna go. Versus <laughs> versus you're replacing you're replacing Russell Wilson. You are set up for a just complete and utter disaster versus Marcus Mariota Go get him, buddy. Uh, big shoes to fill there as as well. Uh, you know, hey, only Matt Ryan, Hall of Famer. So who do you got? I, this really isn't a tough question at all. I, I actually Is do it? think that if, if, if Locke 
Locke actually might be in an okay situation in Seattle, believe it or not. Uh, cause they're, they're going to run a little bit more. It's going to be heavy play action. Like that's kind of the Pete Carroll system that Russ wanted to get away from. And maybe that works out to his skill set as someone who had turned the ball over a lot and likes to go downfield. Uh, but he just wasn't accurate. I don't know if that's going to change in Seattle with Mariota. Like he reconnects with Arthur Smith, who gave him some quality years in Tennessee. Were they electric? Were they outstanding? No, but he did take them to the playoffs. They did have an upset win in Kansas city at Arrowhead where he, somehow flipped himself into the end zone after fumbling and recovering it in the process. Like there's still some intrigue there. I think there's more upside with Drew Locke, but I think Mariota's like that ideal bridge builder quarterback in a familiar system as they look to rebuild. And the expectations really don't matter as much because they know they're in rebuilding mode. They don't know who any wide receivers are going to be. So I, I just think he can go and just let himself play, not have to worry about anybody breathing down his neck because there's nobody there in Seattle. I do think they're going to draft a quarterback. I think they are looking for the, the replacement level player uh, to go ahead and come in for Russ. So I, I think Locke is maybe in a position to be somewhat successful, but Mariota, there's no expectations whatsoever. He just goes in, becomes the bridge and the eventual veteran to help the young quarterback along that they eventually bring in. So I don't think there's any issue for, for Mariota in, in, uh, in Atlanta. It's a, a fit that actually works. Hill, you, it's, you're it's Martin. yeah, Mariota. <laughs> it's, it's it's so nihilistic because it's like it's a real it's a situation of like nothing matters. You know, this season isn't going to amount to anything. It's essentially a tear in the rain of the great the grander NFL scheme here. Whereas, you know, to to Ben's point, he reunites with with Arthur Smith, so there is a little bit of a connection there. So at least you're coming into a comfortable situation, knowing the offense, knowing some of the people that are in charge there. And it's also, I think Arthur Smith has a little bit of a longer leash than Pete Carroll does in Seattle, where to Ben's point, the expectations are very different. Pete Carroll, very much at the end of the road here, very much at the end of this era. We don't know what's going to happen after this. It feels like they kind of want to win now, but they also want to develop for the future. And Seattle doesn't seem like they're sure what they want to do. Whereas down in Atlanta, the Falcons, they're like, look, we're going to rebuild this thing. We don't even know who's on this team. You know, we couldn't pick any of these guys out of a grocery line to steal one of Verderam's classic, you know, lines, euphemisms. Um, but the Falcons, they've got nothing to lose here. And Mariota is in that perfect position where he's just going to be a ton of fun to watch. He's going to be like a league pass where it's like you just – I don't care about the Kings. But, if you know, Halliburton was having a great game or he's going off – you're like, I'm going to turn on League Pass. I'm going to watch this. I don't care about any of the teams involved. I've got no emotional investment. I just want to have fun and be entertained. That is the position Marcus Mariota is in in Atlanta. He's going to be League Pass all season long, or Red Zone, I guess, in this case, because, you know, you've got that on Sundays. And that's what we're going to be interested in. And it's going to also be fun to see this guy we've watched since his career in Oregon, where he's come through, he's had some ups, had some downs maybe just let his hair down and have some fun. It's going to be entertaining. And that's really all you can ask for if you're the Falcons right now. Jay Ward throughout the question there, uh, is Baker going to start somewhere this year? It's a really good one, Jay Ward. I like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it might be the best play for him to stay in Cleveland, show that he's healthy, play when Watson's not playing, win games and, and make a move next year. I, I don't know. Uh, that's real, super awkward, but, uh, it'll it's it's i don't know we got 15 days to the draft maybe he gets moved let's wrap up with this who on the show today has the best background i don't know if you notice the difference 
but I've got the football behind me now. Major move. We got a little shelf action that I haven't fully figured out what to do there. Hill's got a random bunch of stuff that looks like some comic stuff. And then Heisler, I think that's a Cubs beanbag in the, over his right shoulder. No, uh, the chair with a with a Cubs blanket on it that you can just see it's draped over. Chair with a Cubs blanket, uh, a TV from 1996. <laughs> um, <laughs> Come on, the flat screen. That's like at least from the last. I, you know, you know what it is. It, it's one of the last plasma TVs that well, I got. I did get that, it. I did get it in college in, in 2008. Thank you. And, and the screen still looks exceptional, except the thing's just way too big. And it was in our room, and no more. How taking much- up far too much space. Is now it's now in the office. It the, the heat coming from it warms up the office when it's cold. <laughs> so I'll just have the TV on just to try warm myself up down here. It's it's a good play. I think it works. How many moves has that TV made it through? Oh my god! You got the original yeah. apartment in college, and then. Two more. No, I'm sorry. One more. I lived in two places in college once I got that TV. Then it went, went to, to D.C. where I had two different places, both Maryland, Virginia. So that's four. Then to my first place in Kansas City, five, six. Carm, this TV has gone to eight different places. Eight places, baby. Eight See? different homes. See, I, I mean that that just wow. you got to put you need to put an eight on there or something that just or I I, I don't know maybe a old school Chicago Bulls George Gervin eight jersey that's a really weird reference but uh, I get it and go with Levine oh yeah, well, yeah there you go write it yeah write it out with that Jalen I so, appreciate the support by the way uh, I mean I my background is, is is it's a work in progress we're going big here. Uh, but uh, you know we, what you need, Carm? You need like that Woody Page like chalkboard thing, where you put yeah. a little message behind you. You just yeah. got all that blank space to carmism. fill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the carmism of the day, and you have to work that into the show at some point. That that's okay. All Here's right, your hook. I, I I could do that, and then maybe get some yeah. magnets. You could throw some things on the on the eraser board, like that would work. Something like that. Yeah, could be, could be another segment too. Does okay. it stick? With Mark Carmen? Yeah. Does it does it stick? Does it stick? <laughs> look at that. I, I mean, look, I mean, I Heisler not only elite on air, but elite producer of content, always thinking. Uh, ben, I know you're busy. Thanks for jumping in, brother. Uh, Good to see you guys. Yes, we will we will see you back next week with with Sir Verderam. Hill, uh, we're wrapping up here, buddy. But I got I got one more for you as we uh we want we want to we wanted to show some love, uh, uh, some appreciation to Dwayne Haskins as we as we wrap up the show here. Twenty four years old, tragically killed. Um, some really weird stuff um, uh, in in talking about Dwayne. Won't won't mention anyone by name, but to to put a tweet out and then delete it, and and then to apologize, but direct people to your podcast to try to get it clicks is bizarre uh and 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 just overall embarrassing uh but i just look this guy came off the bench at ohio state and was an instant phenom he won a rose bowl he threw six touchdown passes he uh made it to the nfl he was uh you know number 15 overall that's better than most of us could say in our lives so uh super tragic 24 years old. I mean, I mean, come on. Um, but what what touched me the most is that uh, just seemed like a lot of people who knew Dwayne 
just really, really love this guy. I mean, like those in his inner circle, it was just, it felt, it felt super authentic. Um, so any rate, uh, c- condolences to, to the Haskins family and, um, and, c- and congratulations on an amazing career getting to the NFL and, and, and being and playing in the big 10 and winning Rose Bowls. It's just an incredible, incredible accomplishments. I think the the best tribute because you don't want to give any energy to the the negative stuff and the weird stuff that happened with the reporting of the unfortunate news. It's the thing that stands out is what you said. It's the people who knew Dwayne Haskins and knew a Dwayne Haskins that we didn't know because in, in this sport, in watching sports, not in just like creating content around it, but in watching sports for our entire lives, there's a disassociation between the player and the human being who is the player. And oftentimes we don't really think about the human being. We think about what that person does on the field or on the court. That's how they exist in our world. But that is not how they exist in their world and the world of the people around them. And I think the best tributes for Dwayne Haskins were just the outpouring of love and support, shining a light on the a side of the guy that we didn't know or for you know our own lack of you know looking at it we didn't see because we only saw the football player or we only saw what was boiled down to you know a very terrible tweet because oftentimes the humanity gets lost in this entire world of sports so the, the, that Dwayne Haskins he's not it's not exclusive to Dwayne Haskins the people that cared about him and who thought about him after he tragically passed, that is across sports. That is across life. You do not know somebody just because you have a small little portal into their world. They are so much bigger than that. And I think that that's the, that's the best tribute that you could have for Dwayne Haskins because he was just so much more than a football player. The guy was a human being. He was a father. He was a, you know, a teammate. He was a family member. That's who he was. He just happened to play football. And shout out, by the way, to all the happy-go-lucky people out there. The the person that will t- take the selfie at the end of a football game because, you know what, I just want to make this fan That's happy. Awesome. I mean, awesome. I mean, we I talked thought, about that when it happened. Yeah. There was this whole controversy where it was like, oh, he doesn't care enough about football. It's like, I'm sorry. You know, we talked about at the top of the show, Russell Wilson doing the whole stupid, dorky thing where he's, you know, playing a fake game by himself. That's football. That's sports. You're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed to have that connection. And if you want to avoid that connection and feed into negativity and feed into all of the garbage that goes with looking at the bad side of things or the, you know, the worst case scenario, that's fine. That didn't seem to be who Dwayne Haskins was. He's that guy who took a selfie with a fan. And if you're that fan, you want to take the selfie with Dwayne Haskins. That's your connection. Yeah, I I think at the time, like, that's a little bit odd, but all right, you're having a great day. No harm, no foul, whatever. Somebody else could take the last snap uh, that wouldn't fall under the 1978 high school coaches playbook. Uh, let's shout out to uh, uh, what, what's the movie that I'm thinking of with uh, with some great stoners. Days of Confused. That high school coach it would not it would not have worked. Um, but so, at any rate, uh, Dwayne, R.I.P. to uh, and 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 thank you. Uh, you know, for all you did on and off the field. And thank you to everybody for uh, watching Stack in the Box today. Jalen, we appreciate you. Uh, Jay Ward, Gonzo, subscribing to uh, DeWindy. You're a hero, brother. So thank <laughs> you for that. I appreciate, we go. appreciate all of it. Everybody, anybody else in the chat that I missed. 
And, uh, yes, Vertoram is back next week. Uh, check out all the content. Hill, anything exciting content-wise coming out? Fansided.com, you want to pump real quick? Oh, a little NBA playoffs, baby. That's why, you know, Timberwolves playing game tonight. Let's go. I'm counting it as a playoff game. I know I've already gotten some clapbacks on Twitter that it's not an official playoff game, but it counts. If they win, they're in. That's a playoff game. If they lose, they have to continue to play uh, to play in tournament to get in. It's a playoff game. Even if the NBA doesn't want to count it. Also, the number of playoff games I've watched the Timberwolves play in my lifetime, both hands I can one hand I can count on. So like, let's go. It's it's this tonight. Against the Clippers, you got to go all the way back to Game Seven against the Kings, like 2003-2004. That was the last time that I've enjoyed a Timberwolves playoff game. So here we go. Let's go. Get in. Let's get in, buddy. I'm pro playing tournaments. It's fun stuff. Seven, eight, and the nine, ten, and then and then the, you know we got one more game. Do or die. Go NBA. All right, we're back next week. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next time. Stack in the box saying goodbye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.